Alrighty, here's the dessert. It's a new series, a mini-series of three parts. Oh, hail the knobs. And uh, don't forget to like. On to the story. Class 10, Species Offender, Part 1. It hadn't been an unusual day aboard the rehabilitation segment of the Dracta Station. A few new species members had arrived to be rehabilitated in accordance with Union law, and all was routine. That is to say, it was routine until the message arrived. Union Priority Channel to Dracta Station. Rehabilitation. Prepare to receive a Class 10 Species Offender. The supervisors of the rehabilitation segment had all needed to read and reread the message before taking action. Within minutes, the rehabilitation segment was buzzing with the word of an impending arrival, both the guardians and the offenders being rehabilitated. There could be no doubts as to the contents of the message, but along with the buzz came a chill that seemed to fill the whole rehabilitation segment and seemed even to spread outwards into the station beyond. Union law was very clear on how rehabilitation was conducted. Offenders, regardless of their species, were subjected to what Union outsiders condemned as effectively torture. The Union didn't care. It was viewed as far more effective and universal than attempting to correct built-in sociopathic and perhaps psychopathic behaviors that the various members of species were bound to develop over the course of the social developments in mixed societies. The rehabilitation segments of the various stations throughout the Union were a necessary combatant in order to protect the larger population, and the Dractor Station segment was no exception. But the Dractor Station rehabilitation segment was also older, built from scrapped vessels, and so was more heavily reinforced than the average rehabilitation segment. The long, singular passage that connected the Dractor Station was kept sealed by a void of space, and was long enough that even the most hardy Union species wouldn't be able to cross it without inflicting lethal damage upon themselves to the point that without medical aid from the best species doctors on the other end, they would assuredly perish. And yet still a hushed whisper of a Class 10 species offender arriving moved like tachyons, utterly permeating the station and cloaking it in an almost nervous sense of fear. Union species weren't pacifists, nor were they warriors. They simply did what was necessary, but this was something new. There were no Class 10 species with the Union, and the few that had reached the Union's ears were either from far enough away that the Union didn't bother to care, or were too primitive to bother engaging. It seemed like it must be a joke. The lead supervisor of the rehabilitation requested clarification from the station master, who seemed to blanch at seeing the message and took a few moments before confirming that it was in fact genuine. This made the lead supervisor blanch as life fluid drained inwardly from their appendages. Quickly, the lead supervisor began personally overseeing the reading and rehabilitation chamber for the Class 10 species offender. It seemed impossible without knowing what kind of being this was or what offense they had committed. The equipment that could be found was barely rated for Class 8 species offenders, and thanks to the makers, there were few of those. The handling of a Class 10 seemed impossible. The regulations called for the use of gravitational therapy, restraints, chemical protectives, ingestible poisons in quantities that would kill most species outright. 
high and low thermal controls that could kill half the Union species just by being online for more than a few minutes. And the walls of the chamber itself was almost woefully inadequate. The regulations called for the walls to be capable of sustaining pressure of 10 detras in an intermittent point pressures in excess of 300 detras. To even imagine a being capable of such pressures scared some of the guardians viscerally, to the point that two needed to discontinue and seek medical treatment. The siren sounded as the lead supervisor began to run through the nest again. The offender had arrived and the connecting tube was being filled with breathable atmosphere. The lead supervisor did their best to confirm that the chamber was as ready as it could be under the circumstances and then moved to the receiving port, trying to look as professional as they should when receiving any offender. When the receiving port opened, a short being, garbed in the offender's wear and ensconced with more heavy restraints than the supervisor might have guessed a being could easily withstand, shuffled through, followed closely by what seemed to be two special dragoons, evidenced by the Union Class V power armor and bonded heavy weaponry, which the lead supervisor noticed, was online and being aimed at the offender. The lead supervisor wanted to run, just being on the other side of the offender was dangerous. Those bonded heavy weapons could undoubtedly destroy this offender and then destroy the lead supervisor. But the lead supervisor had to remind himself, this was a class 10 species offender, that meant that this being was so dangerous to Union citizens that even the most basic of precautions would mean nothing to it. The lead supervisor looked at the offender and found it looking at the lead supervisor. The runes upon the heavy restraints blazed with danger warnings of this being. The binocular vision of the offender seemed to fill the lead supervisor's awareness. Hello there, um, do you have my room ready? The offender asked in Union Standard, an almost undeniable hint of joy in their voice. The lead supervisor took a moment to register this before snapping back into the standard procedure. I am the lead supervisor here, and you will speak only when directed to offender, the lead supervisor mustered. This appeared to amuse the offender, but the lead supervisor refused to be baited. Offenders were to be rehabilitated, nothing more, nothing less. Crime? the lead supervisor asked of the dragoons. Destruction of property, possession of chemical weaponry, involuntary murder of Union citizens. One of the dragoons recited, I keep telling you that it's not my fault that idiot customs agent opened my bags in public. The offender bemoaned. Silence! shouted one of the nearby junior supervisors, who raised a correctional prod in threat. Only if you guys quit it with the tickle rods. It was funny the first time, but this is ridiculous, the offender mumbled. The lead supervisor waved the junior supervisor back down. Based on that statement alone, it sounded like the offender was capable of shrugging off the correctional prods. This would be a problem in holding their offender if this offender became a bigger problem. Name, species, world of origin, and alliance information, the lead supervisor asked, pointedly looking at the offender. Wilfred von Vonnegut, human or Terran, depending on what your union calls us. I'm a spacer, so I don't have a world of origin, but I'm out of the Terran Collective, the offender said, shrugging, which the lead supervisor found to be a rather a remarkable effort, considering his heavy restraints. If only for a moment, the lead supervisor swore they heard the heavy restraints creak. 
It seemed impossible. The body chains that formed the heavy restraints were flexible enough to fit enough species, but shouldn't be capable of being easily deformed, except by tools specifically designed for such deformations. Dragoons, due to the nature of the offender, please assist us in escorting the offender to the chamber. The lead supervisor managed, their thoughts being filled with the possibilities of what might happen if this, uh, human got loose outside of their chamber. The dragoons nodded as one, and the small procession began through the corridors to the isolated space where the Class 10 species chamber had been hastily finished. Hey, this looks more like a home than most of our Union standard places, the human said. The human stepped into the chamber without any apparent argument, and the lead supervisor sealed the chamber entrance with their personal control key, before remembering the heavy restraints. Navenda, you will need to make yourself available in order for us to remove the heavy restraints, the lead supervisor said. The human looked at the lead supervisor and doubted at the restraints. Then they seemed to grunt for a moment and bent themselves slightly. With ease, the human then removed the deformed heavy restraints. I'm all right. Can I put a wake-up call in for about four cycles from now? I could use a nap. Oh, you stocked her with salsa. Any chance I can get some chips? The human asked, very congenially. The lead supervisor could only turn away and wonder what had been brought to their rehabilitation segment. The dragoons audibly followed behind and then swiftly departed. End of chapter. All right, are we ready for a little bit of dessert? All hail the night crew, or whatever crew you belong to. Let's just go with the sci-fi crew. Anyways, on to the story. Class 10 Species of Fender, Part 2. The chamber that he was in was fairly barren, but based on everything Wilfred had seen of the Union construction so far, he guessed that it was probably as good as it was going to get. The thing that confused him was that this room seemed more like a dentist's office than anything else, and the presence of some kind of spicy sauce that seemed more like salsa than anything else, alongside what appeared to be a file of tea and a few other things that were probably edible, but didn't necessarily remind him of much made him question just where he was and how he'd gotten here. He'd started out just like most spacers do when they come of age. He started hopping ships, doing odd jobs and whatever vessel he happened to be on, staying in stations when he had to, but mostly staying on the move. No particular rhyme or reason. It was just the way of life that he enjoyed. The thought of planetside life and settling down seemed almost repulsive. Everything he needed in life was in his knapsack, or could be easily found. At some point, he ended up in a tram freighter, doing long run to Union Station by the name of Hootburn. He'd never been to Union Space, and figured it might be a good way to see Union Space. The trouble had come when he'd wanted to get off the freighter. According to the captain of the freighter, this wasn't something that was normally done. They usually just dropped their cargo, grabbed the next one due to go off to the usual route, and went. Actually, docking was, well, it wasn't unheard of, but docking for anything less than kicking someone off a ship or needing medical attention was practically unheard of. Wilfred had promised to the captain to be a nuisance if she didn't let him off the ship, so she docked for a few minutes it had taken to get him out of the airlock and through the connecting airlock before she undocked and made for the shipping queue. He figured from here he'd just wander around the station, maybe camp a bit somewhere unobtrusive, and then hop on the next vessel heading somewhere new. 
It wasn't that he was broke, or even poor, at least by Terran standards. It was more that he wasn't certain if Terran currency meant anything in the Union. Comparatively, they were pretty far away and so weren't exactly even minor trading partners for Terra. The next bit had gone wrong when he had tried to enter the station from beyond the airlock. There was another airlock, but this one had a kind of display window with a Xeno of some sort looking him over. Name, species, identity code, and purpose of visit, an occupation, the Xeno intoned. Wilfred's translator aid suggesting that the Xeno was bored. Um, Wilfred from Vodagut. I don't know what my species code would be. We're not part of the Union, he started. The Xeno straightened at hearing this. Have you conducted a customs or hygienic sweep yet in the Union space? The Xeno asked pointedly. Well, no, but I took a bath before I got off the ship, he started again. The Xeno appeared to look him over, as one might removing a stone and finding an unexpectedly cheeky roach underneath it. The chamber hissed, and one of the doors opened. You will proceed into the next chamber for customs and hygienic sweep. Any actions taken against the sweep shall be counted against you in the event of a contraband is found, the Xeno said. Wolfred shrugged, grabbed his bulging knapsack, and moved into the next room. A tall but thin purpley Xeno was standing there, clearly waiting for him. The rest of the chamber was mostly bare except for a table and some kind of booth that he figured was whatever they used as a scanner. There were a few other Xenos around, but they didn't appear to be in any kind of uniform or anything to suggest that they were associated with the purpley Xeno. You will place your cargo here to be reviewed for contraband, the purpley Xeno said. Several of the other Xenos looked over at him, but seemed to not pay him much mind. He shrugged his back onto the table and went to touch the zipper, but the Xeno stopped him. Step away from the table. Any actions you take further may be construed as an attempt to conceal contraband. The Xeno said, flatly. Look, man, it's just my gear, nothing special, he tried. Step away from the table, was a flat reply. Just be careful opening my bag. It's a little tricky since it's so full, he tried the warning. About a minute later, the Xeno was still struggling with the zipper. Do you want a hand? Wilfred asked. The Xeno looked up at him. The idiom clearly didn't translate as well as he thought it did. I guess what I mean is, uh, do you require one-time assistance in undoing the closure mechanism? He tried spatting it out. The Xeno appeared to consider this and then wordlessly gestured for him to do so, undoing an extra catch and pressing down on the bag to compress it just for a moment. He smoothly slid the zipper down and stepped back. The bag spilled its contents of clothing, various bits and bobs, and even a few jars of spice. The Xeno picked up one of the jars and shook it. The cap must be loose because it popped off and rolled away. The loose spice was aerosolized and in a loose cloud by his shaking and hit the Xeno in the face. One ear-piercing shriek from the Xeno later and Wilfred watched as the purpley Xeno hurled the offending spice, which he now recognized as genuine Terran ground cinnamon, across the room, where it broke and spilled out across the wall, floor, and partially aerosolized. As a result of where it broke and spilled open, at least two other Xenos were hit by some of the cinnamon cloud and emitted shrieks of their own. It hadn't gotten any better from there. He'd been zapped with something that felt like tickling, but was clearly not intended to feel that way, based on how the Xenos were waving it at him. He'd been put through some basic questioning and the species info, including that hygienic scan that they seemed so concerned about. At some point, two big suits of power armor showed up, 
Nothing like Terran collective guard armor, but decently impressive all the same, even to Wilfred, who mostly ignored that kind of thing. After about a day of what passed for a day in Union Station, he got told that he'd been found guilty of various crimes and he was therefore sentenced to rehabilitation. When he'd asked what that meant, the Xeno telling him had just blinked and repeated the statement. It all seemed a bit weird to him, but he did have to know one thing. Could he get his bag back? The Xeno ended up leaving and came back to indicate that the bag had been declared evidence as part of the case against him and could not be released into his custody. He liked that bag too, and he had a lot of personal stuff in there. He couldn't remember the last time he synced it with the Terra network. Hopefully before this trip out here at least, so he wouldn't lose everything. He wanted to try again, but these Xenos were kind of weird system and it was somehow already guilty of something. And what was even weirder, all the Xenos seemed scared of him. It was on the very verge of annoying. Then he had gotten put into some plastic cuffs of some sort and put on a ship with the two power armor suits. He tried talking to them, but they didn't seem to want to talk. It was boring. And if this was what the Union was, no wonder nobody wanted to deal with them. And now, here he was, in some sort of almost dentist's office with the most bizarre assortment of condiments that he'd figured must exist. But it was at least a decent place to bed down, and interestingly enough, it was quiet. Even the normal hum of the air systems was duller than usual. No matter, he lay down on the dentist chair, finding it a bit stiff, but rather comfy otherwise. And dozed off after a few minutes. Outside, the lead supervisor had just received another disturbing notice. Union Priority Channel to Dracker Station Rehabilitation. Terran Collective Diplomatic Envoy en route. Delay normal rehabilitation processing. End of chapter. Okay, this is going to be coming out on Friday night for me, so... This will be the last one for the week. Not going to be quite a weekend off for me because of schedule changes. I can only take Thursday and Saturday off, so bleh. We deal with what we can. There'll be a new series on Monday taking up this slot. If you are interested, then head over then and watch. Anyways, on to the story. Class 10 Species of Vendor, Part 3. To say that the lead supervisor was bewildered would have been an understatement. No siren had sounded to alert them to the arrival of the Terran diplomatic envoy. A short being that was rather more finely dressed than the lead supervisor might have expected and carrying a terminal unit that looked to be rather advanced in its functionality. I am to address the lead supervisor of this rehabilitation segment, the Terran had said, loudly enough that it was easily heard through the first section of the segment. Guardians and offenders took notice. The Terran had not shouted. The lead supervisor was reasonably assured of that. But the Terran had made their voice carry in such a tone and timbre that it filled the breadth of space for the first section. The lead supervisor had presented themselves bearing the records regarding the Terran offender called Wilfred von Venegut. This could be a straightforward matter, but at least according to conventional wisdom, the lead supervisor was surprised that the envoy was here and not making contact with the Union leadership. After all, did the Terrans not respect the Union law? Union leadership had laws on how and when an offender could be released prior to rehabilitation. The presence of this envoy here seemed to suggest that the Terrans didn't respect that. The lead supervisor centered themselves to a neutral state, 
reminding them that this was not a confrontation yet, despite the semi-surprise arrival of the envoy. Are you the lead supervisor of this rehabilitation segment? The Terran envoy asked flatly. I am. Are you Terran Collective Diplomatic Envoy? The lead supervisor asked. I am. I am also chartered by Union Governance as a legal representative of all Terrans in Union space, including all of those whom have been charged and found guilty of crimes against the Union, the envoy said and made a gesture with the terminal unit. A very official-looking charter with an associated leadership stamps, which were an eye impossible to forge as far as the lead supervisor knew, popped into existence on the terminal unit that the lead supervisor was carrying. As was appropriate, the lead supervisor took the time to fully read the charter. It granted the Terran standing in front of them a significant legal status as a non-citizen. But as a member of a concerned Class 10 species in order to address interstellar societal limitations, it seemed to be a rather a word salad with bits of meaning sprinkled throughout. But the lead supervisor could find no fault in it. The lead supervisor returned their gaze to the envoy, who apparently took this as an opportunity to continue. You are presently holding one Wilfred von Vonnegut, drifter of the Terran Collective. Your records indicate that he was subjected to customs and hygienic search class 4. This was a violation of the terms of non-citizen rights in Udiot space. Chapter 23, Transitive Being, Subsection 385, Paragraph 15. The being in the forementioned statement was not permitted the appropriate notices as required by Union Space Environmental Health Board Regulations Sections 7, 95, and 273. This resulted in the release of personal articles which fall under Class 2A of the Secured Chemical Registry of Union Space Regulations through no deliberate actions of the being in question. To this effect, the charge of involuntary murder is hereby nullified for failure to demonstrate motive and intent, as prescribed in Section 84 of the Union Criminal Code, subsection 23 through 122. The envoy began half-reading, half-presenting. The lead supervisor was practically shocked into silence and stillness as each of the codes and the standards that the envoy spoke up were brought up on the terminal that they were holding in all the glory. Furthermore, the charge of destruction of property is negated by the circumstances as described in Union Criminal Code Section 431, subsection 91. As to the charge of possession of chemical weaponry, I authorize the stated charge but revoke the provided trial process conducted to establish guilt and malice, utilizing the Union Alaheri Alliance Treaty, subsections 15, paragraph 7, which details the chemical utilization by the Alaheri Alliance species, which fall onto the Union Secured Chemical Registry. The envoy continued, sounding almost bored, but such details were missed by stunned lead supervisor. If the lead supervisor was following the envoy at all, it sounded like the envoy was effectively invalidating the whole legal proceeding against the and what were effectively loopholes. The lead supervisor felt that they should have been displeased by this, but deep inside, they were pleased that whatever this was, the offender wouldn't be their problem anymore by the way this was going. The lead supervisor tried to continue wrapping their head around it all. It sounded like the envoy was claiming that the offender needed the chemical weaponry it had been carrying as a matter of a required ingestion substance. It wasn't unheard of, but the lead supervisor would be the first to admit that they'd never heard of such requirements this deep in Union space 
and what was this Union Alahuri Alliance Treaty? The lead supervisor signaled for a moment of review, and the envoy appeared to be waiting for the lead supervisor's attention before continuing. Due to the rapid-fire receipt of the lead supervisor's terminal pad, the treaty had actually been transmitted in full to the terminal pad and managed to almost fill a good chunk of the terminal pad's active memory, along with other references that had been made. The lead supervisor didn't know such a thing had existed before today, but given the date of the treaty, it was almost 400 soda cycles old, so it was practically ancient history. But if it was still on the books, then it was still reasonable to apply against union laws and interspecies interactions were complex to say the least. The lead supervisor could feel their life fluid pulsing around their form as they tried to come to full terms with exactly what the envoy was saying, and opted to simply make the envoy say it aloud. I acknowledge your review. What status is given to the offender? The lead supervisor asked. The Terran, known as Wilfred von Vonnegut, is to hereby be released into my custody, and to have all records related to their offending status purged in accordance with the Innocence Regulations per Union Criminal Code Section 1, Subsection 12. Pending a review of the case, with the aforementioned being remuneration for unlawful search, unlawful detainment, and related actions may be filed by myself on behalf of the aforementioned being. Per union statute, this remuneration would be due from all beings or individuals which directly interacted with the aforementioned as part of the legal process as a result of the failure to correct or halt the legal process until such a time as an appropriate species legal authorities could be provided for. The envoy veritably monologued, still half-reading, half-presenting. To say that the envoy had an attention of every being in the first segment, could hear and possibly see the envoy, would have been something of an understatement. Some of the supervisors appeared to be rapidly attempting to review Union Criminal Code for the indicated sanctions. Others were simply standing stunned in silence, which was remarkable for some of the guardians. Offenders appeared to be attempting to understand what the envoy was saying with varying degrees of success. Some even appeared to be recording the various annotations of Union law, perhaps in the hope that the annotations might be useful to themselves. If the envoy will accompany me, I will take you to the relevant offender's chamber, the lead supervisor tried, already becoming tired of this envoy and wanting the strange Terran to get as far away from them as possible. I will follow, but here and after, no remarks are to be made referring to the Terran Wilfred von Vodegaard as an offender. Further remarks to the effect will be logged and included as evidence of contempt against the aforementioned being. The envoy said blankly and stepped silently along behind the lead supervisor. There was something of a primal desire to flee that filled the lead supervisor as they moved towards the impromptu Class 10 species offender chamber. They could only guess that it had something to do with the Terran envoy but they resisted the urge, choosing instead to calmly move to the best of their ability to the chamber. Using their keycard, they unsealed the chamber where they noticed that the offender, the Terran Wilfred von Vonnegut, appeared to be sleeping on the processing table. Not wanting to possibly trigger a response from the Terran or the Terran envoy, the lead supervisor looked to the envoy, who stepped into the chamber and wrapped their appendage against the processing table. The Terran Wilfred von Vonnegut appeared to awaken as a result of this, but did not react violently, instead raising themselves up and looking between the envoy and the lead supervisor. 
Wilfred Van Venegat, you are hereby remanded into my custody for the return to Terran Collective Space, at which point you will be provided with further legal counsel regarding your civil case against the Union and return to Terran Collective Society. The envoy said blankly. Oh, um, I wasn't expecting them to send me a lawyer. They didn't really do anything other than take my bag as evidence, though, Wilfred said, rubbing his eyes. That will be addressed under the civil case. It is time to get you out of here and back to Terran space, the envoy said, sounding almost congenial for the first time since they had arrived. Wilfred appeared to shrug and stood up. Together, the envoy and Wilfred were led by the lead supervisor back to the passage. Before the pair left, the envoy turned back to the lead supervisor. Your cooperation has been noted as chartered by Union leadership. I have transmitted my details to your terminal pad. In the event that any further Terran or Terran Collective citizens are remanded into your custody, you are hereby directed to contact me prior to conducting any and all processing efforts to ensure appropriate legal processing. The envoy said, with eyes that seemed to be almost hungry for a challenge. The lead supervisor offered no challenge, though. I understand, the lead supervisor managed, and the pair moved swiftly through the passage and out of the lead supervisor's knowing. The lead supervisor could only hope that that was the last time that they would see the envoy. Paired with the offen- Wilfred, the lead supervisor, would have felt more comfortable with the special dragoons guarding the lead supervisor from the envoy. The, uh, Wilfred seemed docile by comparison. On board the Terran Collective transport vessel, Blind Justice, Wilfred looked over to the envoy. How did you all find out about me? He asked. Illegal spice imports are rare enough that when it crossed the legal feeds, we took notice, the envoy said. Illegal? That was just my basic kit, genuine Terran spices, Wilfred protested. Exactly, the envoy replied, smiling. End of story.